1: It's midday, Monday, January the 13th, 2020. It is time once again for T. Watts and T.R. on the Built by Bama Online podcast. That's right, the Built by Bama Online podcast, a subsidiary, I guess you could say, of BamaOnline.com. We certainly appreciate you patronizing both the website, primarily right there at the uh, roundtable, the premium message board on BamaOnline.com. That's where you can find us posted up. Pretty much 24-7, 365 days out of the year. And then, of course, the Built by Bama online podcast right here. Travis Ryer senior analyst for BOL, joined, as always, by Tim Watts, site publisher, coming off a big weekend of sports. Tim, it is a college football playoff national championship Monday that, amazingly, does not involve the Alabama Crimson Tide. We'll get into that matchup with LSU and Clemson a little bit later on. But, man, Tim, what about the— uh, what about the reverberations left behind by the performance, once again, by former Alabama running back, 2015 Heisman Trophy winner, Derrick Henry? One more, I guess, Tim. I told you so. Performance from the big running back.
0: I mean, it's you know, it's weird. It's you know, I love the NFL. I watch it year round. I watch it game one, multiple games. But to me, that guys that cover this nationally shouldn't be amazed that Derrick Henry did something he's been doing quite often this year. And we basically, the, you know, the 17th game of the year, the 18th game, 18th week of the season. Um, obviously, the guys had a monster year. It just amazes me. Nobody seems to really know it. I mean, you saw the reaction Saturday from even guys in this industry. Um, and I'm not talking recruiting industry. I'm talking about who covers sports for a living, who act like the guy just got signed, picked up and had a huge game. They had never seen him. But, um, you know, we follow them. We're Alabama guys. We're sports guys. You and I have talked about them often over the years. and you know, it's not really surprising. I mean, he's a monster. You know, he's a beast. He's a he's just a next level. You know, he is. You know, you know they, they use that term a lot. That he's you know once in a decade guy. Well, Derek is maybe even more than you know maybe a
1: once in a two or three or once in a lifetime guy. He's very unique. There's no doubt about it. And you said it. Whether it was at the high school level from a very early time in his high school. Career at Yulee High School just outside of Jacksonville, Florida Down there in Northeast Florida Transitioned into Alabama uh, Joined a loaded You think back to that uh, What was it, that 2013 group That Alabama (laughs) had in play there for a little bit anyway Uh, Joined a loaded field there Separated himself over the course of his career The Heisman Trophy in 2015 And now Tim Most importantly, in a contract year, if you're Derrick Henry, that's what matters the most right now. You know, all the historics that are being associated with this run that he's on, and it's certainly an all-timer. Three straight games with 180-plus rushing yards, that's never happened before. Uh, But Derrick Henry's about to get paid, and also when you talk about Alabama pros from the Saban era, do you have to put him up there right behind Julio Jones at this point, Tim, or where do you – where do you put Derrick Henry right now among Alabama pros from from the uh, Nick Saban uh, uh, kind of the, the 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 manufacturing line there? I guess you could say. Yeah, I mean he, he's he's uh, he's certainly making a run at it. I still think he's got a ways
0: to go to catch Jones. Julio's just been so yeah. so 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 consistent, um, and you know and quiet about it. Julio, if he was more of a big you know bigger you know bigger mouth guy and uh, wanted to be seen more and wanted to be heard more. I think Julio, a lot more people would, would know about him, but considering how quiet he is and everything he's done, I would still put Julio up there. Um, I think Landon Collins has had a really good career in the NFL so far. So yeah. he's another guy you could kind of throw up there, but man, what Derek's doing is hard. I don't want to
1: overreact, but man, it's, it's not something I've ever seen before. Yeah. Recency bias is a real thing, isn't it? I mean, we really get caught up on the here and now, but, um, But it almost feels like Derek could have been doing more of this had he been given the opportunity. In other words, Tennessee for the first couple of three years of his time there uh, seemed to feel more like Marcus Mariota was the centerpiece of that offense. And not just the offense, but the franchise in general. Uh, But this quarterback change to Ryan Tannehill and this total commitment to Derek uh, has taken this franchise now to – to places it hasn't been since the Steve McNair era era yeah
0: there's a confidence I'm not a Titans fan but there's a confidence around that team I mean when you watch them and see the way they play and certainly it's more than just Derrick Henry I mean Tannehill's a great story as you mentioned and um you know those wide receivers make plays that defense was pretty stout I mean they were shutting down they're playing a pretty yeah. good offense so uh it's just one of those teams you can see that you know the variable the coach I know uh first year head coach wasn't he is that right? Uh, first, no. he's I mean, I here, but first-time head coach. Isn't that right? Yeah, correct. Yeah, yes. he, he's a guy that, you know, when he was hired, I know a lot of people were sort of discussing. and I saw a lot of heated discussion about what kind of job he would do. But he's a guy, I saw him after the game, before the game, and some of that stuff. Those kids love him, um, and he's got them playing hard for him, and he, he's no joke. And you can see him on the sideline. He's got that player's coach, I've got your back kind of deal to him. So, yeah, Tennessee, and you're right, regional bias. you got the people, and I understand just normal people doing it, but I don't understand national you know, guys that, that are just regional guys. But, you know, we saw this last year with Pat Mahomes. It's like week 11, and everybody's like, holy crap, he's good. I saw him on Monday Night Football. He was really good before that. I think Henry's getting a little, of that bit, that, little bit of that now. Tennessee, not everyone watches and We don't see him on national games. Same as the Chiefs last year uh, for most of the year. And um, now that they're getting a taste of of Big Derrick, you know, I guess they like it.
1: Yeah, you know, you talk about pros uh, from the Saban era out of Alabama. I guess just in terms of championships, Dante Hightower uh, would be up there and also a a really good player. I don't know if Dante has always gotten the respect and love for what he brings to that New England defense uh, that he deserves. But you talk about the Titans defense. What about Rashawn Evans in year two? What about that jump? that he's made and how important he's become to that Titans defense. And you're right. It was a big numbers night for Lamar Jackson against the Titans. uh, But there were a ton of incompletions. Uh, You know, the Titans did a great job of taking the ball away, getting off the field on some fourth downs. Um, It's one of those situations where the numbers certainly didn't tell the entire story where Lamar Jackson is concerned. But um, of these, teams that are left the four teams we're down to in the nfl playoffs you've got alabama representation on three of the four tim the packers you've got jk scott punting the football tim williams is a member of the practice squad for the packers you've got reggie raglan with the chiefs uh, gary Dieter, a practice squad member for the chiefs the former alabama wide receiver grad transfer to ua uh, back in 2016 i guess that was Uh, And then, of course, Derrick Henry, Rashawn Evans there with the Titans. Of those three uh, teams and and those Alabama players, which, in your opinion, at this point, most likely to to walk away with a Super Bowl championship ring?
0: Man, this is a tough – I mean, it's tough to predict these playoffs. I mean, the Chiefs game was insane yesterday. Um, I really think Tennessee – I'll probably gooch them, you know, but I really think Tennessee's doing a lot of the right things. I think Evans is a really – Night, nightmare matchup on defense. He's able to take away guys. I'm curious to see, uh, you know, can somebody stop Derrick Henry? I think the Titans are going to make a little run here. I mean, I think the easy money would be picking someone like the Chiefs. I think the Chiefs are going to be tough to beat um, when all's said and done. So, I will say on J.K. Scott, he they don't talk about this, but he had a nifty little hold yesterday. I don't know if you noticed it. it. did, yeah. yeah. I mean, that was <laughs> – People don't talk about that. That's not a highlight. But that thing was behind him on his right hip, grabbed it, put it, set it down, and got that extra point in. So that was the highlight of his day. You know, I'm, I'm just excited overall for the playoffs. Uh, uh, just just a, it, feel, it has a different feel this year. I mean, there's no Patriots which you know takes it to a different level, and you got a lot of new teams, a lot of new bloods. Uh, Andy Reid, everybody was questioning. We had a great thread on the roundtable about how Andy struggles in the playoffs, and you know jumped down twenty-one to nothing, twenty-four to nothing, or whatever it was. And you know, we were like, "Good gracious!" So, um, and then you got Aaron Rodgers over there at Green Bay. I'm just excited overall to watch the playoffs.
1: Yeah, I think that it's interesting because really, when you look at three of the four teams that are left. Those three are kind of old school in their approach. The Niners are doing it largely with defense. Um, the Titans are doing it with a ground-and-pound approach with Derrick Henry, more so than in previous years, although Aaron Rodgers in that win over the Seahawks on Sunday night made some, some plays, as long as Devontae Adams is healthy To go along with Aaron Rodgers, they're going to have an opportunity, Jimmy Graham at tight end to make plays through the year, but more of a a running game approach, I think, from the Packers uh, this season. And then you've got Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid and the different things that that team can do offensively, but uh, could be an old school Super Bowl if we get uh, if we get Derrick Henry and the Titans uh, and the Niners there and kind of how they go about their business that would be
0: interesting especially with the
1: 49ers uh, front four their defensive line is really good
0: and um you know taking on you know Derrick Henry that the Titans offensive line has done a terrific job as well uh, that would be a heck of a matchup and it would be have that old school feel for it you know and the the uh, the Niners are a good solid offense but it's not anything sexy so it would be more of a bash and you know what i'd love to see in that matchup i'd love to see what they did with Evans maybe trying to shadow or defend Kittles George yeah. Hills, the 49ers tight end, is quite the freak. You know, you get a guy like him, like Evans, trying to keep him from getting off that
1: line clean, you can make it interesting. Titans have some good players in that secondary right now. You need safety play, too, when you talk about a potential matchup with a beast like Kittles and Kevin Byard uh, playing at a high, high level, it seems like, for the Titans right now on the back end. It is T. Watts and T.R. on a Monday, January the 13th, two thousand. And 20, it's part of the Built by Bama online podcast. If you haven't already, we'd certainly love for you to subscribe to the podcast. Maybe leave us a star rating there. Five stars are always appreciated. It'd be the first time in the lives of both Tim Watts and myself that we'd be a five star in anything. So it, we, we would definitely appreciate that. Um, and maybe leave a comment or two while you're there. As well. Tim, uh, as we move along here on the podcast, we're going to get to that mailbag coming up in just a little bit, too. Uh, We always proceed with caution when we peek into that mailbag, but we'll do that coming up uh, in just a little bit. I had some just sort of random questions that I like to throw at you as we do this on a uh, twice a week basis. Uh, I know that you've had some issues Dentally here in the last Four or five days so and I've been there I've been right there with you man some of the stuff That you've endured and it Got me to thinking and I posed This question in the mailbag for the uh, Roundtable members there In advance of today's podcast Uh, Which would you rather have Or uh, I guess Which would you rather have the least An earache or a bad tooth Which way do you go there Well for me Gosh, recency I mean, bias in play here, maybe for yeah, you. Yeah,
0: I haven't haven't had a lot of ear aches in my life, but I know people that have, and they hate them, and they you know they ruin their day, and it messes them up pretty good. They end up with you know I've known friends that had tubes in their ears. Most of my problem are dental, so I mean, I would probably say I'd rather have a toothache. I mean, an earache, but at the same time, I'm sort of you know when I you know I've had you know I'm a candy freak, so root canals, yeah. all the stuff I have done, um, it's not a shock to me. So when I have dental pain it's almost like that song hello darkness my old friend I almost, i'm in a familiar like right now i am hurting and i'm in a familiar spot and yeah. it's it's a pain i understand so what earache would probably mess me up and i wouldn't know how to react to it so for me i'd probably still rather you know what i think i'd rather have the toothache oh really wow yeah, i understand that with the earache it's like what's behind door number two i don't know what's behind that door i know what's behind door number one And I can handle it. I might not be able to handle door number two.
1: You know what's worse than you as an adult having an earache is your two-year-old having an earache. Or your 18-month-old. Oh, that is a a pain of another level uh, when the little ones are enduring that situation with the ears. I'm going toothache, man, because I'm like you. I'm a candy freak, so I've paid the price for that throughout the years. And one of the worst situations I found myself in 51 years on this planet involved a bad tooth on a cruise ship. We went on this seven-day cruise, Tim. We're going to go to St. Thomas, St. Martin. And it's it's extended family, too. I mean, there's like 30 riers, which is a problem in and of itself. You know, when you get that many riers together to begin with. First night on the boat, my man, first night on the boat, about 11 o'clock, one of the molars just starts going haywire on a ship. And we're just getting out to sea. And so my first night on that cruise ship, I'm totally awake. You know the feeling. You just encountered it. You want to literally put your head through a wall. So they got this little infirmary. That doubles as a morgue, I think, at the bottom of the ship. You know, you don't want to go down there for any reason. Uh, you know, there's not a casino down there. There's not a wave machine down there where you're going, and so all they've got is ibuprofen. So they load me up with the ibuprofen. We get to, I think, it's Saint Martin the next day, and thankfully, you know, everybody's going to go do their sort of uh, off boat activities. I'm going to a dentist in St. Martin whose office, by the way, is above a smoke shop, a head shop. So this kind of sets the scene for you, uh, what I'm looking at. But I'll tell you this. I go in, the dentist, the guy's from Texas originally. He's a dentist from Texas who's smarter than the rest of us. He sets up a dental shop there in St. Martin for people like me. And uh, he at least removed the infected root or the bad root in the tooth he wasn't able to do the entire root canal right there right but he was able to give me relief which as you know that's first and foremost on the on the list of priorities in that situation this dude Mm -hmm. was so good he he removes the root kind of temporary caps it or crowns it or whatever and i'm on that uh I'm on that stunt boat, one of those things you can do, you know, there in the harbor, the Bay Area. It's Absolutely. like that thirty seater with the seatbelts, and you're not sure if the guy operating it is really got his captain's license here. Yeah. <laughs> so you're doing like 70 all around, and you feel like you're in a a, a Burt Reynolds movie or something from back in the day. But uh, I went, I went from that and 30 minutes later i'm i can I, I couldn't complain but man that night that first night on that cruise ship and that's not the only time i've had an infected wisdom tooth i had to have out i mean for me it's just it's got to be teeth now back pain things like that i think they're all kind of yeah. in that same they're in the same tournament right if you were going to put together a tournament of pains you don't want to have back pain neck pain <laughs> tooth pain ear pain Yeah, kidney kidney stones oh
0: man oh gosh dude you say kidney stones and I take three Advil you know and head to the doctor so that's uh yeah the thing about the tooth it always seems to happen on the weekend or an inconvenient time so there's a problem and it never happens Monday at 11 o'clock I'm not going to have a tooth problem now I'm going to have it Friday which I did woke up and this thing was busting out of my busting out of my mouth I had a slight infection I had a broken i had a tooth that had a root canal break off that had a slight infection that had to be extracted so I ended, and the in and the biggest part is i had to do it right then it was more of a little bit of an emergency situation um instead of being able to wait and prepare myself but um yeah the tooth happens you know when it hurts the most is when you lay down at night when the blood exactly sad, settled so it's not during the day there's a false illusion you're safe and i it's look it still gets me my tooth is hurting at night I wake up like I'm gonna go see mm-hmm. the dentist no I'm feeling better let me get that cup of coffee in me like that's gonna heal it and then during the day I got that adrenaline rush and I'm distracted then at night I sit down and I relax I lay down and go to bed and I hear the telltale heart boom 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 yeah I can feel exactly. that heartbeat in my tooth which is never never a good thing
1: and on that on that boat that night that that was the whole thing couldn't lay down you know because it hit it yeah. like 11 o'clock. And so now you're up all night because you cannot lay down and I can't sleep sitting up. So I literally walked that entire boat, the Oasis of the Seas. I remember it well because I know every inch of it after (laughs) walking the entire boat uh, that whole night. I stayed up all night. I just stayed up walking and hanging out, literally watching people watching it three or 4 a.m. A, a. on a cruise ship which isn't bad people watching if you haven't done that at three or 4 a.m on a cruise ship you know there's there's entertainment to be had there but it, it, it wasn't part of the uh, it certainly wasn't part of the itinerary uh, on the ship but uh, yeah we just had to get that in there hey Tim uh, shifting gears back to some topics related to football. Man, I know you and and uh, you know, the, the, the roundtable there on BamaOnline.com, it has been the place to be in terms of the Najee Harris watch. And I don't want to go too deep into this because even at the time that we're recording it, who knows what could happen 10 minutes after this podcast is, is uploaded. Um, but the latest as we knew it around mid-morning on Monday with Najee, it, it looks like based on his social media timeline, he has made his way back to – to Alabama, to Tuscaloosa, uh, and I know that you've reported consistently that there's been this sort of growing feeling and momentum that he would come back for uh, his senior season. Is is that kind of still where things stood at about mid-morning yeah. on Monday?
0: Yeah. I think it was Friday we reported that that we felt pretty confident. We had sources that felt pretty confident he was returning and that he had possibly already told the Alabama staff. Now, my my guy I see, the guy I spoke to seemed to think he had told Dick Saban which would make sense. You know, Nick Saban doesn't really pass that message along to a lot of people. You know, we've always said coach just wants to, he just needs to know. That's basically his main objective with everything. But you also had the other coaches were on a break. So you got coaches spread out. You got kids spread out. You got incoming freshmen, you know, coming in. You got people getting ready to start school enrolling. Dio Jones Bell, the last uh, early enrollee, was supposed to show up yesterday. You know, he's there. So you had a lot going on. So with Najee, we felt he was coming back. But Najee's not the kind of guy necessarily where you can predict, hey, he's going to announce Monday at 11. So he might, you know, he might show up at class. We might not see Najee again until the spring game. He's just going to show up and run for, you know, 120 and get out of there, dip out. So Najee's going to beat to his own drum a little little bit and uh, make, you know, Najee's going to, you know, we think Najee's coming back. People close to the situation think Najee's coming back. It could change. He's got until he's either the 17th or the 20th, I can't remember, to make a final decision. But all all indications at this point are that he plans to return.
1: Yeah, one week from today is the deadline for the underclassmen to uh, declare for the 2020 NFL draft. And talk about how that sort of, you know, these decisions by these underclassmen uh, based on the numbers that you get with guys coming back like Dylan Moses, like Alex Leatherwood, like Devontae Smith, uh, potentially uh, Najee Harris, Josh McMillan coming back for a six-year, how that can sort of impact your early enrollee numbers and as far as you know how many you can bring in based on the eighty-five total scholarship limit.
0: Yeah, you know the first thing I'd like to say is like Alabama fans to me. There was a lot of excitement that everybody was coming back. And every single junior was coming back. Me and you knew that was unrealistic. Guys like Jerry Judy, to uh you knew guys that had injury histories, which were we knew mostly you know, we knew there was a good selection of these guys going pro, but the ones they got back, I can't talk about enough is that getting getting Smitty back, getting Devonta Smith back and getting uh, Alex Leatherwood and Dylan Moses, those are three potential first-round guys that could come back who definitely could have went pro and definitely would have been drafted. I mean, those are huge gets. And then when you add in small things like Deontay Brown and yeah. you add in uh, Landon Dickerson, those are draft-eligible yeah. guys who didn't go pro. Alabama was fortunate to get all that back, and we take some of those guys for granted because if, if you look around the uh, the nation, a lot of the, the other teams, Deontay pros, uh, Browns went pro. They yeah. lost guys like that, so getting all those guys to come back, you add Najee who again, me and you to start the year if they'd have said Tim and Travis, who's going pro for sure, Najee nice. Najee would have been quickly out of our mouth to me, it would have probably been Najee, Judy, and Tua that would have been my top three with Dylan Moses in the, that top four so they yeah. ended up getting half of that group back I mean, that's amazing, but yeah, it affects the overall numbers, uh, I don't know Nick Saban is, is great at the math I always say he's got a He's got a special uh, special gift for mathematics, but yeah, you get to that, you got to stay below the eighty five. You know, we've seen, you know, we're going to Alabama's going to see some attrition. You've seen Jerome Ford uh, already decide to go somewhere else, and you see guys that are coming back. But like Josh, you know, he's another big one coming back on the inside linebacker position. So I think from an Alabama standpoint, just looking at from their standpoint, they couldn't be in, happier than the way this is set up right now between the early enrollees between the, you know, the class they signed, the guys they have returning. I think things are looking pretty good for Nick Saban.
1: Yeah, you know, LeBron Ray you could even consider as one of those guys. Not that I would have anticipated a LeBron Ray, even with a healthy junior campaign and a really solid season in terms of production, to have been a, uh, a major threat to move on to the NFL, but you're going to have LeBron Ray back um, to, to go along with with Dylan Moses and Josh McMillan. Um, Up front so yeah I mean there is a price to pay As we saw during the 2019 season when you have injuries To the extent that Alabama did but if there is a silver lining It's that on the other side of that you could have a scenario Like the one that has played out for Alabama with Dylan and Josh and LeBron Ray uh, and the potential to be uh, exceptionally Stout in that front seven looking ahead to next Fall. It is T-Watts and T-R here on the Built by Bama Online podcast. Uh, Tim, we've got a football game tonight, LSU and Clemson in the college football playoff national championship game. The first time since the first time that we had a college football playoff national championship game that Alabama will not be a participant on the biggest stage in all of college football. You got to go back to that Oregon-Ohio State inaugural CFP title game in 2015 to find that last time that Alabama wasn't, uh, in this game, uh, uh games played indoors. So you, you like that this time of year? Um, speaking of which, man, it, it was cold in green Bay last night. What's the coldest football game you ever attended before we get into kind of this LSU Clemson thing a little bit,
0: man. We, I took the family to the Papa John's game and it was, uh, south carolina and connecticut do you remember that at legion field oh yeah you brought the weather oh my lord it was it (laughs) was now look i'm battle tested you know i'm a cargo short wearing guy i don't get i don't get cold that easy um i've been in some cold you know i've had to cold you know cover some cold games and i mean i've been in i've been in some weather in my life but man that game i don't know what it was it was the whole setting of that game we showed up And it's Birmingham. As we're walking up, the lady behind us, the South Carolina fan said, if Birmingham's going to host a major bowl game, I think they they need to, you know, get some better parking here. And I was like, lady, it ain't a major bowl (laughs) game. We're at the Papa John's Bowl game. It's like December 19th, you know, on a Monday, you know. And uh, so we're walking in. It's freezing. We get there. There's no Papa John's pizza at the Papa John's Bowl. Huh. This is the start of the game, you know, so we're a little behind it's the whole day's weird and it is freezing. We're on those metal bleachers, oh, which was a block of ice. And I we had kids with us. So the kids were sitting mm-hmm. with us trying to suck the body heat from us. And uh, we were OK for a while. And then the sun started to dip down. And as it went down. <laughs> As the sun left, so did the watts. We got up. We were with a we, we were with the family of friends, and as that sun went down, we couldn't handle it—the wind, the ice—and we were just frozen to the core. So that was the worst.
1: Considering it was a pretty day, and it shouldn't have been nearly that bad. You know that inaugural SEC championship game at the old Gray Lady there Legion Field back in nineteen ninety two. It was it was pretty cold. Now. It didn't have the feeling of it it being that that type of situation when me and my crew made our way to Birmingham for that game in 92. We kind of thought, yeah, you know, take a couple layers. Well, that was the error in judgment because as it got more and more cold and that was a tough one. And you're right about those damn metal bleachers at Legion Field. You don't want to sit on those uh, in in that type of scenario. But I've got to go for me. Yeah, uh, I took uh, I took our guy Evan Ryer when he was just a little thing, little guy. We went up to to Pittsburgh for an AFC Championship game, probably 12, 13 years ago. Tom Brady at quarterback, Roethlisberger for the Steelers. Uh, it was 7 degrees at kickoff and your man Evan in the third quarter, he bought himself some nachos, you know, wow. thinking thinking he was going to you know maybe warm up, warm Rookie. up, but you know, you don't yeah, you don't do nachos because you got to use your hands, you know, you, you got to expose your hands if you're going to eat them correctly. Well, my man said, to heck with that. He kept his mittens on, Tim. And by the end of those nachos, the tips of his mittens were nothing but nacho cheese. Because he, he was just dipping those nacho chips into those hey, what? nacho by the, cheese.
0: By the time that cheese froze on those gloves, he was Wolverine. <laughs> that nacho cheese, my, my kids have got it when it was colder. And I looked up and that thing was like a popsicle. You pulled that you pulled the chip out and the whole all the cheese is just stuck to it. He that had blast, a cheese
1: Yeah, That plastic ain't holding that heat long, I can tell you that. I, I looked at him early in the fourth quarter because the Patriots had pretty well already put the game away. I said, You good? He looked at me and just nodded. I'm good. Yeah. <laughs> got it. Let's get back to the hotel, Dad. Yeah. yeah so um we've got LSU and Clemson and the uh Enola tonight man uh tim i'd love to get your your sort of pick on this game and maybe what you see as being a key to the outcome teams that i think are similar in a lot of ways certainly when you start at the quarterback position but even when you look to the backfield at running back the wide receiver talent in this game uh and all that sort of takes you to the other side of the ball right when you talk about the clemson and lsu defenses and maybe which of these two is best equipped to hang in at least? I don't, I don't really see either defense being dominant in this game, Tim. But maybe which of the two uh, has the best chance to to survive and get maybe a couple of stops, a couple of takeaways, a half in this one tonight down at the Mercedes Benz Superdome.
0: Yeah, I think it's you know I think it's LSU. I mean that's my prediction tonight, and I'm I think it might be pretty convincing win actually. Now I'm not going to sell Clemson short, obviously, what they've done and they continue to do. They keep surprising people. I didn't think they'd beat Ohio State, and um, I don't certainly don't want to give Dabo any fuel to motivate his team tonight, but I just don't think they can hang with LSU tonight. I think Joe Burrow's just found a little bit of magic. He's had a little bit of sprinkle on him. He's having that kind of year we've talked about. I think LSU's clicking on all cylinders offensively. I think Clemson certainly will score. LSU susceptible to giving up points, but I just think at some point – you know, it's like trying to trade blows. LSU sort of like trying to slap fight with Mike Tyson or somebody. Eventually, those things are going to start wearing on you,
1: and it's just going to gently just sort of you know drift you to sleep there. There's no coming back from 16 to nothing for, uh, for Clemson tonight like there was against Ohio State, right? You no, get down nothing. 16 to nothing to this LSU team uh, in that town tonight, and I, I don't think there's any coming back from that. But I, I, I do like – I do like that Clemson has a national championship-winning uh, quarterback in Trevor Lawrence, but kind of offsetting that for me is the fact that in Joe Burrow you not only have a guy who's had a season for all time. This is a 23-year-old dude, right? This isn't this isn't a true sophomore in Tua Tagovailoa even last year. So from a maturity standpoint, he's wired in a way in which. Uh, he should be able to to handle the situation uh, and, and not uh, become overwhelmed in any form or fashion. And I, I think again, I, I just think the back seven of these defenses. I, I, I like I like LSU there a little bit more than I like Clemson because both these teams with the wide receiver talent able to spread the field and get some really tough matchups on some sort of complementary defensive backs and. Uh, and in the pass rush, too. Uh, this isn't Clemson's front four from the last couple of three years. I think LSU with Kayla Von Chason, Michael Divinity coming back uh, to help out in that pass rush, too. You know, these are some big dudes at the quarterback position, too. I mean, you got to get these guys on the ground and both can use their legs to extend play. So I think it's going to be a lot of fun. But I'm with you. I like LSU in the game. Uh, I don't know if I like LSU big, but uh, I, I think. LSU gets the job done
0: there's a lot of calmness in these quarterbacks and that's one thing about Clemson I will say when they are down when they were down 16 to nothing to Ohio State there wasn't a lot of panic in them you know they looked you know they stayed pretty calm I mean they got the hit on uh, Trevor Lawrence and Trevor Lawrence is a relaxed guy pretty laid back it looks like but you know he's a fiery competitor he took that hit he got fired up the team got fired up behind him and they pushed back with all of that said they had a lot of fortunate Stuff happened their way in that game where they easily could have lost Ohio State. I know Ohio State fans will blame the referees, but really they shot themselves in the foot. I mean, they had multiple times they could have they could have probably had been an opportunity to win that game. So a lot of things fell Clemson's way, and now they're running into a team that keeps rolling the dice, you know, and coming up with seven or eleven all year. So LSU's had a little bit of a rabbit's foot too. They're not just good, but they're lucky. And they have things fall their way. They have breaks go their way. So they're talented. And LSU plays with the freedom that allows you to make mistakes and not really, you know, Coach O, I think, is that kind of guy that doesn't, you know, he's not too worried if you make a mistake or doesn't seem to be. So you can roll the dice, you know, and you got, you know, you got Joe Burrow back there and Trevor Lawrence and two pretty confident guys. So I'm really interested in seeing uh, the game. And I, I do think
1: LSU pulls away in the second half. Yeah, you said something there, too, about good fortune. And never is that more true when you look at an injury report for football teams. You can be as talented as Clemson and LSU and as deep as these teams are when it comes to uh, elite rosters. Um, But when you look at both of these teams, Tim, and you think about the course of the 2019 season, where are the major absences like you saw? I mean, forget forget about what Alabama had with multiples of guys going out. Uh, when I look at LSU and Clemson, I see teams getting guys back. Amari Rodgers for Clemson, the slot receiver, tears his ACL back in the spring, and he's on the field as the third wide receiver for Clemson tonight. You look at the situation with Michael Divinity. How many times can it look like a guy has been uh, disassociated from a program? But he's going to play tonight for LSU on the defensive side of the ball. And so, you.
0: that is yeah. you. That's a good football player.
1: He is, and, absolutely. And so the the, the, the attrition factor, when, mostly when it comes to injuries, uh, it, it isn't something that, that has bitten, certainly, Clemson uh, and or LSU to the extent as it did uh, Alabama during the 2019 season. Hey, let's get into this mailbag, Tim, if you're ready. And uh, your guy Saban18, he'll get us going. He wants a a guesstimate, I guess it is, on if you talk about the next five years for Alabama football, if you had to guess the number of national championships that this program will secure in the next five years, where would you put that number, Tim, looking ahead? I'm sorry. I'll, 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 oh, I'll here, Here's what I'll do. Saban18 wants to know uh, potential number of national championships for Alabama over the next Five years. I'll put the over under at one and a half. Would you go over the one and a half for the next five years when it comes to national championships, or under the one and a half? I go one
0: and a half, but I go one and a half basically on anybody. National championships hard to come by.
1: And go over it, but would you go over it or under that? I I would would go under it. I would have predicted
0: one, and one, one in every five years to me is pretty standard. But I will say, I think during those five years. Four, three, four, five years, Alabama's going to be competing for that national championship. But you're going to have Ohio State. You're going to have Clemson. You're going to have Alabama. And, um, you know, you're going to have other teams jumping in there. But you're going to have consistent teams battling. Right now, next year, I think it's going to be a year they have a chance to push, depending on what happens for national championship. After that, you know, I'm not so sure. I would, I would go under one and a half. But to be honest, I wouldn't predict two in five years for most any team, to be honest with you.
1: Yeah, I I probably wouldn't be that adventurous either. And look, you know, just as amazing as the fact that Alabama has won five of the previous ten national championships is the fact that it has played for seven of them in ten years. That's what gets overlooked in all of this is that, well, you know, didn't beat Clemson last year, didn't beat Clemson uh, a couple, three years ago. Um, But, you know, again, as we talked about earlier, this is the first time since the first college football playoff national championship game that Alabama hasn't at least played for it. And, and I think people become desensitized to how difficult it is just to make the playoff, to be one of those four teams, let alone play for a national championship as frequently as Alabama has, and let alone win as many as Alabama has. So I'm with you. I think one in five is
0: reasonable. I think, this, I think this run you've seen at Alabama, I think it's going to be appreciated more in the future than it is no now. Doubt. Because you look, you know it's like I said about the offense, we've been saying is that 5 years from now we're going to look up around the NFL and we're going to be like holy crap all those all these guys were on the same team at one point. We're going to be really amazing. The same with the run, it's like I think my answer of our answer of one over five years will be met with some disappointment. But one's a lot in every five years; it's hard to win it. Now we're in an era where Clemson's competing for it, Alabama's comp- complete competing for it a lot, but most teams aren't competing for it at all, all to some degree. You got the same seven or eight teams fight for that national championship. Alabama could get a run; they've got talent back-to-back classes that are fantastic but it's more than just having talent it's the schedule it's the luck it's the injuries you know it could be the weather i mean there's just a million th- things that factor in but i feel confident saying alabama is going to compete for uh, for playoffs all five of those years
1: yeah I, I agree i think definitively the expectation over the next 5 years will be that when it comes to thanksgiving weekend and even into early december alabama still going to be very much in that conversation for the college football playoff anchored in the t watts and tr mailbag he's asking about the roster and how guys potentially can go from scout teamers to special teams guy and specifically scout team walk-ons who have earned starting roles uh it's not a frequent thing that you see certainly not in an era where you have a coach and a staff at alabama recruiting at the level that it has but it's uh it's not totally foreign either. I mean, you, you think about Rashad Johnson uh, and how big a role he played for Alabama going from the Shula era as a walk-on running back. Rashad Johnson came to Alabama, I remember, believe it was his first spring game or one of his first ones. He had a hell of a spring game as a running back. Uh, then he was moved to safety by then-secondary coach Chris Ball transitioned into a very productive couple of seasons under Nick Saban, went on to an NFL career as a scout team walk on her. So it's not, uh, it's not something you see all the time, Tim, but even at a program like Alabama, there's the, there's the potential for it.
0: Oh, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you got guys that come in and they work and there's a, there's a certain hunger. You know, the thing about special teams is I know Alabama even their highly regarded guys have, have they've earned their spot on the you know on a starting defense or playing time on defense by special teams and we've seen that. I mean, I think Mac Wilson's first big hit was on special teams. Rubin's first big hit was on special teams. Uh it's very important to Alabama. We saw in the bowl game, we saw Henry Ruggs, you know, Devonta Smith were two of the best guys on special teams. So yeah, I think it's hard, you know, anywhere to walk on and, and work your way up to a starting position on a defense, especially at Alabama with so, so much talent. But I know the quickest way to get noticed a lot of times for an unsung guy, for a guy trying to prove himself, is on a special teams.
1: No doubt. And there was uh, Will Lowry, you may recall, years ago, uh, former Hoover uh, defensive back under Jeremy Pruitt. Uh, came to Alabama as a walk-on, ended up being a starting dime back, Uh, when you look at some of those 2010, 2011 ish defenses. So there are avenues for walk-ons, not easy, but, uh, it, it can happen.
0: This episode is brought to you by progressive insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews, or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too, with the name, your price tool from progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.
1: Let's go back into the T-Watts and TR mailbag, Tim, and Bama Cassidy. He has this to say and ask, I guess Saban is known to always be ahead of the game. I know you can't get inside his head, but what is he doing different to prepare for the changes in the game for the coming decade? And Tim, if we know one thing about Nick Saban, he's not a guy who has uh, stood pat with uh, whether it's the style of play, the style of player, um, you know, what's required in recruiting based on the calendar, even with the recent changes we've seen. Uh, he hasn't been slow to adapt for sure.
0: no, I think you I think we've seen I mean the Alabama team you saw early on defensively was a much bigger a much stronger, a little bit more stiff, powerful defense. Now you see a little bit more athletic defense that you know just sort of the change in the athlete. You know, it's, it's trouble for a linebacker to get out there and defend a running back, you know, when he lines up in the slot. Any linebacker. So, I mean, they've had to adjust there. This year that caught up to him a little bit. Some of their main guys were injured at those positions. Offensively, he's certainly changed. I mean, you look at the 2011 Notre Dame game, which is one of the best Alabama performances I've seen. You let a guy watch that game and not watch another game until he sees the Iron Bowl this year, and he'll be blown away. It's the same coach. Mm-hmm. I mean, we've seen him adjust. We've seen him adopt, adapt. That's one of the things he does the best. That's why he still, it helps his longevity that he is able to to change. You know, they say you can't teach a, a old dog new do tricks. I don't believe that's true with Nick Saban. I think he adjusts well, and I think he continues to adjust, adjust well, especially on the offensive side of the ball where they're doing something completely against what he's did most of his career.
1: Yeah, it truly is the Alabama offense. When you hear him say that, Because, as you talked about, you go back 10 years ago with Jim McElwain and sort of the introduction to the pistol, but certainly more of a uh, traditional approach to offense uh, in running the football with guys like uh, Mark Ingram and Trent Richardson. Uh, Then you get into more of the really a power spread with Jalen there for a couple of years, you know, and what he was able to do with his legs in the run game to go along with a stable of running backs. Then you get into Tua. And you see more of a uh, a total total approach to offensive football, whether it incorporated some West Coast offense elements, some RPO, some power spread, some run and shoot. It seemed like you saw a little bit of all of it. But um, yeah, there there's no one set way. So uh, I would expect that to continue to be the the case for for Alabama under Nick Saban in in every facet of of uh administering the football program, recruiting, uh schematically, uh all those kind of things. Hey, uh we'll wrap this thing up in the mailbag. Actually, we may have one or two more. Uh Boo AU in the mailbag says he would enjoy hearing a perspective on which position group next year you expect to take the biggest step towards improving from the 2019 performance. And why you got a specific area of this next team in mind, Tim, when it comes to taking the biggest leap forward.
0: And I'm going to go with the entire front seven between yeah. the guys coming back and guys getting experience from last year's class. The young guys coming in, in this class, Drew Sanders, Kennedy, all these guys that can contribute as If he puts some weight on, um, you know, even getting guys, like you said, LeBron Ray, getting Dylan Moses back, Josh McMillan. There's so much. So much room for improvement, obviously. Wasn't a great year from that front seven, but all these guys they've added, playmakers, athletes, um, guys that come in, I think we're going to see a huge improvement
1: there. That's the that's the obvious area for me, uh, just because Dylan Moses impacts every aspect of defensive play, whether it's between the tackles you start there in the run game, whether it's you, you expect him to recover from that ACL well enough to still be a sideline to sideline presence, a guy who can make plays in space. And he also impacts your pass rush because, you know, Alabama is a blitzing team in 2019, in my opinion, had one really effective blitzer. And that guy was a safety, Xavier McKinney, uh, because of the youth and inexperience at inside linebacker. You felt some of that. As well, in terms of you know those guys being able to get heat when they did come in blitz opportunity. So uh, Dylan Moses just impacts so many areas of that front seven. But you're right, Josh McMillan with his experience, LeBron Ray. You hope to get a full healthy season out of the defensive end uh, front seven, even with the departures at outside linebacker. That's going to be the biggest question there. You know, the next guys up at those outside linebacker positions and like you mentioned if some of these young guys can come in and get to where they need to be both physically and mentally uh the is definitely there uh to to impact that area upon on the uh on the T Watson TR mailbag ask is Joseph Bulovas going to be back um the uh the Alabama kicker heading into his red shirt junior campaign i would think Joseph Bulovas is back um, you're still talking about a situation where Will Reichard, uh coming off that hip flexor injury, still trying to get to where he needs to be. Um, so I, I don't see any reason why at least through the spring, Joseph Boulibus wouldn't be back in that place kicking situation uh, to go along with hopefully uh, a healthy Will Reichard, who, as we know, can handle place kicking, punting, kind of help a lot of different uh, areas there. And when we talk about potential for improved areas Tim if you get a health healthy will Reichard I think both kicking and punting the football you got the chance for that
0: yeah I mean again I don't know much about kickers I'll tell you that but that kid will Reichard was really good at Hoover you know watching him. you know three three close years over there um, unfortunate accident again just went sort of with the whole mo or, or the whole uh, theme of Alabama season weird accidents or weird weird injuries and things that that caused him that kids talented he can kick a football Um um definitely definitely a guy that he could be a huge impact next year I mean yeah you know, you know in in two angles so uh I've heard nothing about his injury I'm gonna dig into that a little bit more and sort of see but yeah I'm not sure on the on uh on Reiters injury but I think the last we were told is that he's expected to be fine for next year and that the injury he suffered this year was a lingering injury and as you know if you get you know if you twist an ankle in the NBA season that thing's probably going to mess with you till you get off of it for a while so yeah. I think that was kind
1: of the situation, but yeah, next year he should be fine. Are we hoping? Yeah, that's fine. yeah. Th- there's no question about the talent level uh, of Will Reichert. So uh, he was a guy that, as the the season got later and later, you saw him get back out there with the kickers and the specialists, and you know, work on kicking uh, a foam football, something that didn't involve a lot of resistance because at that point there was no sense in. Pushing the situation given that uh, He had aggravated what was was Already an issue for him Uh, Final question And this is a wild one Bama 105.5 in the T-Watts and TR mailbag You are guaranteed $100,000 per year Tim For the rest of your life The only catch is you have to Have a visible tail Um, Do you Take the money? No you don't take the tail for a hundred K a year.
0: No, I, I remember reading and it's been a while. Do you remember the guy in Vegas whose friends bet him? They bought him breast implants. And if no, he kept no. for, you, you don't remember, this is like, 50 I remember years it. Ago, yeah. But he, I think he got a hundred K if I'm wrong. I hope he did, but he had breast implants and that discovery had that discussion. And I don't think I would do it. If I read the follow up to that, he kept them. Um, Maybe now he has it. So no, I don't think I'd want breasts. I'd probably rather have breasts than a tail, to be honest with you. <laughs> that tail is i gotta know I gotta know the dimension requirements how for the you, tail. How do you, you sleep know? with the tail? You know, yeah. how do you sleep? And you obviously got to be a side sleeper. How do you sit in a recliner? Yeah. How do you travel on a plane? Do yeah. you want little kids pulling that when you're walking down the Target aisle? You know. <laughs>
1: I mean, there's a lot. To, there's a lot of things. Well, and, and financially, there's the question of and we need more of this. We need more details maybe from Bama 105.5. Is this tax free 100K? You know what I'm saying? Because yeah. if it's not, I mean, we're not taught talk, we're talking what 60, 65K? Yeah. You know, yeah. Taxes.
0: Yes. And I don't even know how much going to have to be removed if I change my mind. But I would say a better description of the tail. I mean, can I use that as a whip? You know, like if somebody's too close to me in a line because I whip that out, smack him upside the head. You know, I would like some details there because I would vote no. Have you seen that movie Shallow Hal? Yes. <laughs> Remember my boy had a tail? Yeah. At the end of I it, mean, it still bothers me. So I, that's how I know my answer is no. Is because I didn't like Jack Black
1: had a tail. I sure don't want to tell myself. I guess I'm all all about the money, all about the numbers because I need to know what the tax implications are here. Yeah, yes. Yes. You know? Verse uh, for, for 100k tax free, you, you got you going, my attention. Are you going 1099? If you're gonna, yeah, if you're going 1099, me, uh, that, that, it takes a takes a pretty good hit out of that. Well, Tim, uh, we appreciate you playing hurt on this Monday edition of T Watts and TR on the Built by Bama online podcast. Look forward to the football tonight, and uh, look forward to the roundtable being especially active as we continue into this offseason for the alabama crimson tide we got alabama men's basketball at home wednesday night against the auburn tigers eight o'clock tip off on espn two. so still a lot going on there at the round table tim
0: Yep. look forward to it's going to be exciting
1: week and then we got this weekend we'll have recruiting again so
0: there's a lot going on the rest of this month
1: no doubt about it tim watts i'm travis reyer thanking you for joining us here on T Watts and TR on the Built by Bama Online Podcast. Keep it locked at BamaOnline.com, that BamaOnline.com roundtable. And we'll be with you again real soon right here on the Built by Bama Online Podcast.
0: Every sport has their big juicy controversy. Boxing has the Mike Tyson earbite. Cycling has Lance Armstrong. Baseball has its steroid era. Curling has broomgate.